Good morning, everybody. My name is Kay Eck. I'm one of the pastors here at Lover's Lane, and we again want to welcome you to Crosswalk Worship, and thank you for being with us this morning. I'm delighted to be with you here this morning as we wrap up the sermon series that we've been in for the last seven weeks that's called Recover. This series has been based on the 12 steps of recovery that was developed in the 1930s specifically uh, for alcoholics, what we know of as AA today. However, over the years, these steps have been expanded to include other addictions. But I think the coolest thing about the 12 steps and this series that we have been in is that the 12 steps really are for every single person. We use the language of celebrate recovery here at Lover's Lane, which is a worship service that happens on Tuesday night that you are invited to. But that, that language is that every single person, you, me, literally everyone in this room, everyone across the world, deals with a hurt, a habit, or a hang-up. Rick Warren says that there are two types of people in the world, those who are in recovery and those who should be. And we all have to figure out how do we deal with these hurts, these habits, these hang-ups, or these addictions that we have in our lives. And so I, think you, I, I hope that you will identify something to think about a hurt habit addiction today as we're talking. So today we're going to unpack the 12th step, the very final step. But the teacher and me can't go through our sermon today without a little review of all of the steps. So real quickly, I just want us to talk about the steps that we have looked at over these past several weeks. The first one is this. We are powerless over sin. We are powerless over our addiction. We are powerless over our hurt, our habit, our hang-up. And so number two, we have to call on a power that's greater than us. And here at Lover's Lane, we identify that power as the, the God of the Trinity. God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then number three, we turn our will and our lives over to God. We say, God, do with my life what you will. I am wholly yours. And then number four, we take a moral inventory of ourselves, which is hard. We assess our shortcomings. We assess our sins. We assess the things that we have done wrong, and we all have. And number five, then we admit to God, to ourselves, and to another person that we have been wrong, that we have a sin, an addiction, a hurt, a habit, or hang-up. And then we say, God, I'm ready for you to remove these shortcomings in my life. And then we ask God to do it, and we believe that God will. And then we make a list of those who we have harmed by our behavior. And then for number nine, we go and we make amends to those people when it is not harmful to do so, when it doesn't create further harm. And then number 10, we continue this personal inventory. We continue this checklist of who am I and how has God made me? And I continue to admit when I'm wrong. We continue to recognize our great need for God. And then we pray for God's will in our lives. And so number 12 today is this. It says, having had a spiritual experience as a result of these steps, we try to carry the message to others and we try to practice these principles in all of our affairs. So that's the, that's the step that we're going to unpack today. And there are really three things that work here in this 12th step. It assumes that we have a spiritual experience, that we give back to others, that we carry the message to others. And then number three, that we continue to work these steps throughout our whole lives. So a couple of weekends ago, my husband Robbie and I went to New Orleans for a little getaway weekend. 
we try to do um, like an anniversary trip every year. And this year, February, we couldn't make it happen, so we pushed it back to May. It was Robbie's birthday. It was Mother's Day. And we decided it would be our, a baby moon. We're expecting a baby here in a couple of short weeks. Um, so we went to New Orleans, and we did all of the fun New Orleans things. Um, we went on a ghost tour of the French Quarter. I even tried a bite of alligator sausage. We visited the National um, World War II Museum. I even power walked down Bourbon Street and avoided getting vomited on, so that was good. <laughs> Bourbon Street's not fun when you're super pregnant. Um, but I've been to New Orleans many times on mission trips, but this time I got to do something that I have never done before, which was a swamp tour. We sign up for a swamp tour. I'm like, this is either going to be the cheesiest thing ever or really cool. And for me, it was really cool. It's probably my favorite thing that we did. We saw birds and alligators and raccoons and all this different vegetation and stuff. But as we're going through this swamp tour, our guide, whose name was Rhett, like from, from um, Gone with the Wind for real, Rhett, he told us about this plant, this plant that was growing on the oak trees in the swamp, and it looks a lot like a fern. And in fact, it's called a resurrection fern. Resurrection ferns, they have to live on a host plant. And those are typically these oak trees that are in the swamp. But they're not parasites like other um, plants are. They live on the host, but they don't take away nutrients from the host. The thing about this resurrection fern is that it can lose 75% of its water content during a typical dry period and up to 97% of its water content during a severe drought. Regular plants that we have, once they lose about 10% of their water, they're dead, which is probably why I can't keep any plants alive in my house. But for this resurrection plant, during this time when it's lost all of this water, it shrivels up. You see at the top there, it shrivels up into these like gray, brown clumps of leaves, and it looks like it's dead. But when it's exposed to water again, it literally comes back to life. And it's green and healthy, and, and the plant gets this name from our understanding of resurrection, going from death, as you see, to life. So as Rhett was telling us about this plant, I couldn't help but think about these 12 steps, especially this idea of a spiritual awakening or a spiritual experience that, 12, that the step number 12 indicates. I don't know about you, but without God in my life, I shrivel up. I look just like that top plant. Our addictions, our hurts, our habits, our hang-ups, our sin can shrivel us. I know some of us in this room have hit rock bottom, and some of us have hit rock bottom again, and some of us have gone below what we thought was rock bottom, and some of us have felt like death because of our experience in life. But when, when we invite the Holy Spirit into our lives, when we draw on that water, I remember Jesus says, I am the living water. When we draw on that water, we are restored. We can be resurrected. We can know and experience resurrection. Resurrection isn't just something that happens when we die. Resurrection isn't just something that happened to Jesus. We can experience resurrection in the right here and the right now, and that is because of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, working through the power of Jesus on the cross. Restoration, resurrection, healing from our hurts, our habits, our hang-ups, takes a lot of work on our part, and it takes God working in us. 
but our hurts and our habits and our hang-ups don't take away who it is that God has made us to be. When we tap into that source of life, we can find healing. We can open back up and bloom in the ways that God has designed for us. And when we become this healthy, blooming resurrection fern, then we're able to share about the good news of Jesus Christ. It's then that we're able to say, this is what God has done for me. This is the spiritual experience that Step 12 is talking about, when we can testify to the power of God in our lives. And, you know, when we talk about having a spiritual experience for most of us, these aren't just these huge life-changing moments where we see the light and everything changes. A few of us might have had an experience like that, but for most of us in this room, I would guess, our spiritual experiences develop slowly over time. Bill Wilson, who authored, who co-authored the AA Big Book, says that generally one gradually realizes that he has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life, and that such a change could hardly have been brought about by himself alone. Like this resurrection fern, we might get a drop of water, we might get a deluge from a flood, but it all makes a difference in our transformation back to life and health. This is the first part of this step number 12, that we have had a spiritual experience, and I pray that you have. Secondly, one of the most important aspects of these 12 steps is an expectation to give back to others, to carry the message to others when you have gone through these steps. We don't just receive. We can't receive, 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 but we are to give back and to share with others, to carry the message of recovery to other people who are in need of hope. I would dare say that it's our job to carry the message of the hope of Jesus Christ to others in our lives. For Alcoholics Anonymous, this looks like being willing to sponsor others who are going through the process. For Christians, it means that we are called to share the love of Christ with others. We are called to share the hope of Christ with others. We are called to serve other people in Jesus' name so that they can come to know this transforming power of Christ. I've been reading this book, Breathing Underwater by Richard Rohr. If you ha haven't read it, like go on Amazon right now and order it. Or come and borrow it. I want, I want you to read it. It's very powerful. He says this about step 12. Richard Rohr says, A person will suffocate if she just keeps breathing in. A person will suffocate if she just keeps breathing in. Let's try a little experiment, okay? Now, nobody die, but go with me here. Let's breathe in. Keep breathing in. Keep breathing. Keep breathing. I can't even breathe. I'm really pregnant. Keep breathing in. It doesn't work, does it? We have to have some sort of release. We can't just take and take and take. When Moses encounters God in the book of Exodus, this is in chapter 3, verse 14, and he says, what's your name? And God responds and he says, I am. The Jewish name for the Holy One literally was unspeakable. You weren't supposed to say it out loud. It was Yahweh, which we now believe was an imitation of the sound of breathing in and out. Try it. Yahweh, Yahweh. It couldn't be said. It could only be breathed. Richard Rohr reminds us that this sacred name of God was already revealing the deepest pattern of all reality which is the cycle of taking in and giving back out. Maybe we can't even really understand a 
a spiritual thing until we have given it away. We are called to breathe out, to share the good news of Jesus Christ with others. As you've heard, today is a significant day in the life of the church because today is Pentecost Sunday. That's why I wore my red shoes. On Pentecost, we remember the coming of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 as God establishes the church and God sends his own presence, the Holy Spirit, to be with all the people. The presence of the Spirit, it comes as tongues of fire and it rests on all the believers in the room. But the coolest part was that they started speaking other languages, but they could all understand one another. The Holy Spirit enables them to tell of God's goodness, to carry the message to others in a way that people can understand. It's truly this amazing thing that the Holy Spirit is with us, alive and active in us today. It's the Holy Spirit who works in our lives, who gives us strength to go through the 12 steps and then empowers us to share and to give back. We don't have to do anything alone. That's good news. So this morning, I want us to look at two scriptures that speak to our call to give back to others. The first comes from the book of Galatians. Galatians was written by Paul, who absolutely had a spiritual experience with Jesus through the Holy Spirit and went on to share the news about Jesus to all he encountered. If you remember Paul's story, he says he was the worst of the worst. He was a persecutor of Christians until he encountered this resurrected Jesus on the road to Damascus. And he was utterly changed. He then became this evangelist for the good news of the gospel. And he planted churches and he served people and he ministered to others. And he, he wanted everyone to know. He wanted everyone to know that Jesus can totally transform your life. So in his letter to the Galatians, Paul writes to this geographical area of Galatia where there was a church. And his main point was, you are saved by faith through grace and in the Lord Jesus Christ. There is nothing that you can do. There's nothing that you can't do that can help you to earn salvation. God gives it to you freely with faith in Jesus Christ. And, and when, we have, when we accept that, we just can't help but then overflow it, breathe it back out to other people. So in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, he writes this. Paul says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin... You who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves or you may also be tempted. Paul's saying if someone you know is caught in a sin, or maybe we should say if someone you know has a hurt, a habit, a hang up, if someone you know is in need of grace, if someone you know is in need of love, go to them by the power of the Holy Spirit and restore them. But when Paul says restore there, he's not saying it's our job to remove their sin or to fix their addiction or to remove their hurt, habit, or hang-up. I don't have that kind of power. You don't have that kind of power. But we do have the power of the Holy Spirit alive and active in us. And our call is to remind people of God's goodness and God's grace and God's presence in their lives. We can remind them of who God has called them to be. We can meet their needs. We can serve them. We can offer help. And we don't do this in our own power. We do this by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is step 12. Once we have the spiritual experience, we are then to carry the good news to others, to give back to others. We don't just breathe in and in and in, but we give back. There's also this story in the Old Testament about a king named Hezekiah. 
who's a really good king. We could spend a whole sermon talking about his life and his ministry and what he did for the kingdom of Judah. But there's this point in his life where he becomes really, really, really sick. Some scholars say that this sickness is perhaps the purging of his sin. I'm not sure about that, but he's so sick that he believes he's about to die. And I think some of us in this room, I know some of us in this room because I've heard your story, have had this experience perhaps with a physical sickness or with an addiction or a bad choice or a hurt, a habit or hang up that we just couldn't get over alone. You thought it just might be the end of you. But Hezekiah, he's restored to health by the Lord. And in response, Hezekiah says this. It's actually found in Isaiah chapter 38. He says this. You restored me to health and let me live. Surely it was for my benefit that I suffered such anguish. In your love, you kept me from the pit of destruction. You have put all my sins behind my back. For the grave cannot praise you. Death cannot sing your praise. Those who go down to the pit cannot hope for your faithfulness. The living, the living, they praise you as I am doing today. Parents tell their children about your faithfulness. The Lord will save me, and we will sing with stringed instruments all the days of our lives in the temple of the Lord. Hezekiah offers here that it's God who brought redemption to his life. It's God who washed away his sins. It's God who brought him out of his suffering and his sickness. He says, the grave cannot praise God. Death cannot praise God. But I can because I'm alive by the power of God. I'm alive and I can go and I can tell of your goodness and faithfulness. I'm alive. I have been restored. I have been resurrected and I will tell everyone about what you have done for me. This is what it means to carry the good news of Jesus Christ to others, to breathe out so that others will know the hope of Christ. This third step, or the third part of step 12 is this. It says, practice these principles in all of our affairs. Actually, it says we're going to try to practice these principles in all of our affairs. In other words, we're going to continue to live in recovery, recognizing that we are powerless over sin, that we need a God who is so much bigger than us, that we can inventory our lives and that we can make amends with people that we have harmed. We continue to seek God in all things and we continue to share, to give back to others. This is a lifelong process. But my question is, what happens when we mess up? What happens when we go through all these steps, we do all of our things, and then that addiction, that hurt, that habit, that hang-up, whatever, it, it creeps back in. Have we failed? What do we do? What does that mean? So I told you about this trip Robbie and I made to New Orleans, and um, we drove there. And so we were listening to this podcast, and it's called Armchair Expert, which is done by Dax Shepard. Do you all know who Dax Shepard is? Any, anybody? He's famous. He's married to Kristen Bell. He has been in several movies and TV shows, my favorite being Parenthood that just ended a few years ago. But on this podcast, Dax Shepard invites a guy named Gordon Keith, who's from the ticket here in Dallas. You know Gordon Keith? Yes, some of you. Okay. I didn't until I got married and then started listening to sports radio. Um, but Dax and Gordon randomly have this friendship that they've developed over time. And so Gordon Keith and his family were going to be in L.A. for a while. And so Dax 
Shepard said, come and stay in our home. Come and stay in our home. And so Gordon and his family um, go and they stay in their home in L.A. for a while. Dax goes on to share his recovery story. He was addicted to alcohol, to cocaine, to pills, to crystal meth. You name it, he did it. And Dax even tells about this time that he purchased all these pills that he thought would last for about a month. And it, they lasted a couple of days. And that's when he hit rock bottom. He knew something had to change. And so he entered a 12-step program. Gordon tells about when he's in L.A. At, at Dax's house. He was looking over his bookshelves. Have you ever done this when you're dating someone? You go and you look on their bookshelves and see, like, what are they into? Are they intellectual at all or are they crazy? So that's what Gordon was doing. He sees, he sees his bookshelf, and he sees an AA big book. He pulls it off the shelf, opens it up just to check it out. And on the inside cover of the big book was written a date that was crossed out. And then there was another date that was written that was crossed out. Then there was another date that was written that was crossed out. Then there was another date that was written, and it was crossed off. I think they said there were about seven different dates that were crossed out, but one that was written down 14 years ago. And Dax has been sober now for 14 years, which we can celebrate with him for that. But I find this story so moving because it's all about grace. When we mess up, and we will because we're human, we go back to step one and we say, I'm powerless, and God, I need you desperately. And we start over. There's absolutely no shame in that. We go through these steps which are good and which are true, which help us to understand God's goodness and, and the healing that God wants for us. The third part of this step is that we are to try to carry these principles in all of our affairs, to live this out in everything we do. And the best news is that wherever you are in the journey of these 12 steps, that God is right there with you. Offering grace for each moment. Because this is hard work, but it's so worth it. So we're wrapping up this series called Recover today. Step 12 tells us, having had a spiritual experience, as a result of these steps, we try to carry the message to others and to participate in these principles in all of our affairs. This is a lifelong process, one that we don't do alone. We do with others around us. We do by the grace of our resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. And so wherever you find yourself today, I, I hope you know. I hope you know that you are not alone. If you are in need of help, I want to invite you to reach out to any of our pastors. If you are in need of recovery, we have a a huge program across the street called 12-Step Ministry that you're invited to. You're invited to come to celebrate recovery on this Tuesday night at 6 o'clock in Ship Chapel. Come and check it out. And I want to invite each of you to come back next week because we're starting this new sermon series called Fixer Upper. Because the end of, when we're at the end of step 12, we're not done yet. We're continuing this process to become who it is that God has created us to be. And so we're going to be talking about how do we continue to become like Jesus. I want to be more like Jesus. This is a great opportunity to carry the message to others, to invite somebody to come with you to church, because I think we all have this deep desire to become better than we are now. 
So in closing today, as our band comes back up, we're going to close with this song, and um, then Carla's going to come and do a little guided prayer time. But I've asked the band to sing a song that some of you may know. It's called Resurrecting. It's really been on my mind all week. Remember that resurrection fern that I told you about? God, through Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, brings about resurrection for us here and now. Resurrection isn't something that just happened to Jesus. It's not something um, that we experience only when we die, though we will. But it can happen here and now. God wants us to be made whole, to know God's goodness, to recover from the things that keep us from him. And so as we sing this song, may you know the God of resurrection. And may you have the courage today to declare God's victory to those who need the hope of Christ in their